Hello, my name is Gilbert Clark. I'm the Executive Chairman of Rindian Mining. We are developing the Cabasau Copper Gold Belt in Mato Grosso, Brazil. It is what we consider to be the preeminent copper gold development story currently in South America. Hi, Matt. Good uh, Gilbert, well, good to see you, Gilbert. Um, we, we sort of did a technical session with you back in uh, March. A few things happened since uh, then, con continued uh, drilling, of course, but you've gone and raised 18.4 million bucks in what is a difficult market. Do you consider that an expensive raise? And sort of who are you attracting? I say that what I consider it an expensive raise. No, I thought it was a, a very good opportunity uh, when I looked at the un overall fundamentals of the market where Q, where it come from from Q1, where we're going to Q2, Q3, and the value of the equities. And what we delivered prior to that, that incentivized people to come into Meridian. Um, one of the fundamentals of Meridian over the last, our journeys over the last two and a half years is we've gone from a, a venture issuer, so exploration development prospect, into resource development, now into economic and engineering development. So what we presented to the our own shareholders and the investment community internationally was what we see as being a near-term developer in a very stable jurisdiction of Brazil. And that really tweaked to a lot of the institutional, local in Canada, um, but globally we had fantastic uptake in the stock. Right, okay, you're attracting institutions, which is which is good for a company of around you know, 100 million bucks, market cap. Um, lots of companies say what you're saying. So why specifically did these institutions get drawn into what you're doing? Because that's ultimately the, the, the arbiter of truth. Well, let's look at what we're developing in, in Brazil. Let's just, a couple of fundamentals. If you're going to deploy your shareholders and new, existing shareholders and new shareholders capital, it comes down to what I've always said in these discussions is execution risk. So Adam Cabasal, within Meridian, with our Brazilian guys who, who manage these projects, who deliver the guidance how we're going to build these mines. We have an execution team that is delivered consistently on time, on budget, and giving upside at each stage. So that's the key. Okay, if we're going to give you your money, who's going to spend it? How are you going to spend it? So we've cleared that. Let's look at the, the, the project, Cabasal. We've published the PEAs that developed low costs, Small capex, rapid pay, repayment. And we had a lot of feedback from people saying, oh, look, we're not too sure about this capex figure. I can draw to uh, three or four mines currently being built in Brazil where they've demonstrated this capex. It's very low capex because we're using, with our Brazilian management team, we're going to use Brazilian manufacturers up to 70%. So, again, that's positive. And then let's look at the commodity. Copper, gold, gold, copper, depending on which. They are stable copper uh, stable commodities, known capex, known opex, known flow sheets, and all that. So we're not taking risk with new technologies. We're not taking risk with um, uh, is an established market. What's the is it, uh, is it a balloon? Is it is it up? Is it down? These are constants in the world economy. So we, it's a stable commodity for the investors. And I guess finally, let's just talk about jurisdiction. Um, Brazil is what I think is coming to dominate South America for mining. Uh, we can, in a time frame that our investors, our shareholders expect, and we're going to deploy money and do a project. Are you going to get your projects? Sorry, are you going to get your permits? Are you going to do it in a time frame we, where we can see a return on that investment? And how, what is the longevity of those permits? And this is what has really attracted me to Brazil, a combination using our local managers to 
execute those programs, led by Dr. Adrian MacArthur, our CEO, in a, in, a, in a jurisdiction where you can get permitted and you can advance a mine through to production. Okay, well, talk, talk to me. There's a few things there that I want to, I want to understand um, the moving parts. Um, the types of institutions, are these uh, natural resource or mining-focused funds or is it broader than that? In, in the last raising, we had about 17 institutions. We had fantastic um, support from actually existing um Institutions within in, within Canada, they represented about sixteen percent of our um, of where the money. One came. six, sixteen or six zero. In, in a six, about sixteen percent of the institution of what we raised came out of Canada. Um, I think it was about fourteen percent came out of uh, the US, and the rest came out of uh, Europe and, and Australia. So we, what like, that's actually quite an interesting point you just asked. Um, historically, in in the Canadian market. Uh, the deals are often they'll present a structure in the in the financing. Okay, we're going to do this financing. What's the structure? And when I look at financings, I could look at what's going to be the benefit for my existing shareholders, and what's going to be the benefit of the incoming shareholders. So I didn't present a structure. I gave them the deal. Okay, this is the deal: free free trading stock, reasonably priced, no hold period. So all of a sudden. It opens up to the um, the investors, the, our shareholders, the incoming investors. Not something that's locked paper. It's not something that's discounted, where people might try and sit on the stock for four months and ride and then dump it and ride the warrant. So what we attracted was long only funds. They were both natural resource funds. They were generous funds. Uh, they were speciality funds, uh, and this has been the attraction of the company because we're not trying to mine the market. We're trying to build a mine here. And this is, at the same time, what we've recently announced, is demonstrate how much upside this is. It's just not a single deposit. This is a multi-deposit belt. We're focusing on bringing on the, the Cabasal project into that next stage of economic and engineering studies. At the same time, we're saying, look, first mine, second mine, third mine, but we're not going to splash all the capital on some exploration upside. We're going to test it and prove it we're going to build the equity value on that hard asset of the copper gold deposited capital. But do you, do you think that's part of the attraction to some of these funds? Because look, you're talking about a reasonably low capex, but you seem to be, correct me if I'm wrong, talking about getting into, there's a bit of kind of, fo there's a focus here uh, in terms of, you know, not splurging money left, right and centre. It's, it's a focus on trying to get into cash a cash flowing situation which you're in control of to address one of the biggest factors for funds in my experience which is to basically pay down that that that, that capital as, as quickly that capex as quickly as possible because time and money are not good friends um in in projects uh mining projects it sometimes is a killer so what 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 were those conversations like? What was what were their expectations? What were the things that they were attracted to in terms of the way that you're planning this? This is not just as a, a dialogue I reserve to the institutions. It's the same dialogue that I give my my supporters within the brokering community, the, the small shareholders. It's the same story. So I'm bringing a different dialogue to how generally um, small cap juniors present. So. We are deploying our capital, the majority of our capital, into the Cabasal open pit. We're going to test the exploration upside initially at 
at St. Helena and the, and the additional. But by bringing that um, advancement of the project to the next feasibility, the next engineering studies, sorry, engineering and economic studies, the imprinting into those studies the uh, requirements of project finance from the typical banks, what that does, it produces a low risk. So that means I don't have to, when I go down to project finance, I don't have to do an equity destructive financing. I go to standard project finance banks. And that's so important to our shareholders' equity. Because then what I can do is I can raise a large amount of debt, small amount of equity, and then go into production and then pay back that debt in a very short period. That then means as we take the project forward, the higher risk resource development or new discoveries, we're not going to finance that through expensive equity. We're going to finance that through net free cash flow. And then the value of equities increases because you're not taking risk with those equities. You're, you're underlying the growth of the equities through cash flow on known prospects and known resource development. So this is quite key for us. Now we're trading at the moment, I think, 0.16, 0.17 to NAB on the historical on the current resource and the current PO. So when the institutions look at us, and I guess for our own shareholders, our very supportive shareholders, it's like a, a, a two and a half, three times multiple just on basic economics. But the market at the moment, in general, from natural resources, is somewhat orphaned. So my our accounts and my shareholders and my institution guys who come in, this is a no-brainer for the economics. You come in, you look at this, we're saying this is safe jurisdiction, advanced permitting, and it's trading at 0.16 to NAB. Well, we should be trading at 0 0.35, 0 0.4 to NAB, economic upside. So this is why we attracted these long-only funds, because not only do they see the immediate upside in the economics, in general, or financial economics, they can look at this as, but we're not going to have to hold this in five or ten years to get net free cash flow. This is a short, near-term producer. So for them, it's perfect. And then they get a, get a yield and they get increase in their equities through re-rating in production, re-rating of discovery. Okay, so, so just, I just want to remind myself about the, the PEA. I think, again, from memory, do correct me if I'm wrong. NPV5, about 575, you know, nearly 60% IRR um, and a payback based on 1650 gold and whatever, 350-ish copper, yeah. under a year, right? So that... Which is the equivalent of, you know, it's super way, significantly lower than a, a thousand bucks. So probably like 700 bucks per ounce gold equivalent sort of, of level. It, it's attractive when you sort of look at the numbers like that, but it's a PEA plus or minus 30% in, in an environment which has been, let, let's say, fluid with regards to the cost and supply issues over the last couple of years. Um, how quickly do you feel you need to kind of move through to the next? feasibility so given that you've got cash now to do the drilling to kind of get on this kind of focus plan of yours when do we see the next set of economic numbers because companies have been terrified of actually putting out solid economic numbers because they've been penalized by the markets uh, of recent times i would say that they're afraid to pull them out because as soon as they put them out their project died that's why they don't do it they're mining the market. We, we, well, this is the program, and this is really about hard asset growth. So what we're doing now with the team in Brazil is we're doing an infill program at Brazil, at Capacel, and we published some notes uh, two or three weeks ago about um, we drilled up some near-surface mineralization, very strong, you know, 12, 15 metres. I think it was 1.5%, 2% copper equivalent. Um, 
And we then did an infill program where we, in the selected uh, fence, we saw up to 30% increase compared to the annual drilling to the historical drilling. So that program is advancing because the more economics, the more hard mineralization that we put into that first 50 meters, the better the overall economics will evolve for the, um, the next stage of engineering and financial studies. I can't actually say specific term because the, we get in trouble with the exchange. But our next phase, we are launching in Q4. Now, we had some f- fantastic numbers in uh, some copper results recently. 12 metres, 9%. Great, great, great interval. And that's the lower part of the pit. And that's really going to benefit the, 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 the lower stage of the um, financial model. But one of the key aspects of the work, the studies that we're doing now is our PA was done on 2.5 million tonnes for the life of mine. The next phase we're looking at is probably taking it somewhere between in year five from four to four and a half million tonnes per annum, up from 2.5 to four to four and a half. So that means that the back end of our financial model, we're able to be above 100,000 ounces gold. So then all of a sudden, this is quite a significant entity. Then that's what's really, again, this is what's driving what I think the great growth potential in our equities. When you look at the um, the basics of our risk. What's risk? Okay, we've got four years of underground mining at Cabasal, so we know what the metallurgy is, we know what the geology is. We are increasing metal into the resource at the moment as we do the infill drilling. So this is generating what I think is the bedrocks of economics. We don't need specialised technology. I mean, I mainly just mentioned on the CapEx. Again, it's a very simple flow sheet. And I don't consider about the risk of the flow sheet because we've got four years production data on exactly the same flow sheet. There's no re- we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're not trying to take a, a metal that's locked in a matrix or something can't get out unless we've got new technology. This is just the bread and butter of the mining industry, so it's low risk. So we've got, as we go through the next phase of growth, you want to show to our, both our institutional uh, high net worth retail investors. Okay, look, there's upside above Cabasal. We're going to see that with, with St. Leonard and other uh, prospects along the belt. But at the same time, we want to grow that fundamental hard asset, Cabasal. We want to you know, make that bigger. We want to make it stronger. And we're going to take it to the next stage of, of um, engineering and financial studies because I know that when we put them out, they will improve. And, and this is what this is the certainty we bring. We look at if you have um, a risky and you've produced a, uh, some, sometimes there can be flimsy PEA, and ours is, uh, it was a very robust PEA. You don't want to take it to the next stage because you know it's just going to fall over. And I've seen this. You've seen this across the industry in the last 30 years. This is not something new there. Oh, got this delay, and you have to do fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth metallurgical study because we can't make the thing work. Ours works. We've proven it's worked. There are all the data from BP. We've got the production history. We've got the the economics driven by a very good engineering group in Silk, uh, Australian, Kwasasenko, who built mines. So what we're doing now is focusing on growing that hard asset of cell process, making it more robust, more long, uh, more bigger, showing to our investors, okay, that's not just a one-trick pony, this is a VMS belt, and it will have multiple deposits along this belt. But let's not spray our hard one investor's equity everywhere. We'll focus 
We will test the upside and prove that there's more upside to the belt. Fundamentally, we want to take that long-term uh, equity growth of developing a copper gold mine in the near term. And that's and this is why I come to my, my often when I speak to my investors. Again, the, the broad range. It's about managing the expectations as we go through these cycles across the commodity market. 